Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The gospel for this weekend is very relevant to us as we are caught up in our practical lives. Now, in the past two weeks, we've heard the apostles. They've experienced this extraordinary spiritual and faith-filled experience as they've seen the risen Christ. It was a life-changing experience for them, at least we thought. But notice how the gospel begins for this weekend. Notice how it opens up. It seems like we're back to square one with the apostles. Notice, they're back near the Sea of Tiberias, which means they're back home. They're in Galilee. Worse yet, they're tending to their old jobs. They're going about fishing because most of them were fishermen. It says, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will also come with you. Well, it seems like the apostles are going right back to where they started from before Jesus called them to ministry to be as apostles. Now, has this ever happened to us? We've experienced an extraordinary religious or faith-altering moment. Maybe it's been a powerful retreat, an inspirational homily, or maybe we've been around a person that is very holy. Nonetheless, we say to ourselves, I will live my life now in a new way. My life is on fire. Therefore, I'm going to change the way I live. And then, after a period of time, that fire or that fervor dies down. And then we go back to our old way of life. Well, it seems that is what we see here with the apostles. Notice how flat and ordinary they are. Where is that life that once filled the apostles when they were in Jerusalem with the risen Lord? Well, notice what happens next. It says, So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. But when it was already dawn, Jesus was standing on the shore. Now notice, during the night they caught nothing, but... As daybreak is coming, so Jesus Christ also is. He's coming onto the scene. The symbolism here, Christ is the rising sun that illuminates our lives. Christ makes our lives rich and alive. He brightens our life. Now notice, he asked the apostles if they caught anything. They say no. So Jesus says, cast your nets over the right side of the boat. Well, when the risen Lord has entered into our life, he will raise our lives up. He will elevate them, enrich us, illuminate our lives. In this case, even the most ordinary things. For the apostles, it was just a matter of fishing. What did he do? He elevated that 
such that now they caught a great number of fish that was beyond their imagination. Well, what does this mean for us? Well, our ordinary life, which consists of our family, our job, our friends, our neighbors, if we bring those things to Jesus, he will enrich them. He will raise them up, illuminate them, so that they become now a source of joy for us. Next in the story, it says that John recognizes that Jesus is truly on the shore. What does this mean for us? When our lives are truly enriched by God, then it's very easy for us to identify and see the presence of God operative in our life. Next comes that very strange detail. It says, When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tucked in his garments, for he was lightly clad, and jumped into the sea. Now, this is a very odd detail. It is for me. When we go swimming, what do we usually do? Well, we take off most of our clothes. We put our swimming suit on, and then we go out and swim. Well, what does Peter here do? Just the opposite. Instead, he puts on all of his clothes. Then he jumps over into the water and begins to swim ashore. This is very peculiar, isn't it? Now, notice the Greek word that is used to describe that Peter was lightly clad. It's gymnos, which is Greek for naked. Well, where else do we see people naked in sacred scripture? Adam and Eve. In this story of Genesis, it says Adam and Eve walked in easy fellowship with God in the cool evening of the garden. That's a symbol of innocence. Adam and Eve stood before God without any shame whatsoever. And yet when they sinned, that's when Adam and Eve realized that they were naked. That's why their first instinct was to cover themselves up. What were they really trying to cover up? Their sin. That's why they hid from God in the bushes. Well, the same thing holds true with Peter here now in the gospel. He sees God on the shore. His first instinct, like Adam, to cover himself up, to cover his sin. That's why he throws on all of his clothes and then jumps into the water and swims ashore. Peter is ashamed of what he's done. The moment of truth, he denied Christ, not just once, but three times. Peter is ashamed of that sin. That's why he's trying to cover that up with his clothes. Herein lies a great spiritual truth for us all. If we truly let Jesus Christ into our lives, then what happens? He illuminates our lives, doesn't he? And therefore, we become more aware of our sins. But don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed by this. Instead, I would argue, celebrate. Because it's a significant sign that Christ now is more operative in our life than ever before. Finally, the rest of the apostles come to shore and Jesus gathers them around him. This is a beautiful portrait of our church. Jesus in the center, the apostles around him. This is exactly what Jesus did throughout his three years of ministry. He gathered himself such that the apostles were always around him. And then what he did, he shared his life with the apostles. 
and then he makes a meal for them, like he probably did hundreds of times before. You see, this is precisely what happens every time we come to Mass. We are gathered around Christ at Mass. Then we share a meal with Christ that he himself has prepared, his body and his blood. And when we eat that meal, the Eucharist, we share in Jesus' life. In the Eucharist, yes, we eat his body and we drink his blood. And in doing so, we are invited into intimacy with our Lord. Finally, we have that engagement between Jesus and Peter. But before we go into this, what we have to understand is Christianity is not a philosophy. It's not a matter of subscribing to a certain set of ideas or principles. Instead, Christianity is about relationship to a person, Christ, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus asks Peter point blank, do you love me? He does not ask him, you know, do you subscribe to my way of life? Do you really truly agree with my teaching? No. Instead, his question is about the quality of love that he has for Christ. Peter's first response, yes. Jesus then says, feed my lambs. It's a test of Peter's love of Jesus. Now, what did Jesus do for us? Well, he gave his life for us, didn't he? Well, we must do the same for him. We must give our lives in service to God and to others in this world. How do we do it? Stewardship. We donate our time, our talent, our treasure, our skills, our abilities to build up the parishes that we are in right now, as well as the communities that we are in. Now, notice this exchange between Jesus and Peter. Jesus asked Peter the same question three times. At the very end, Peter seems hurt. But what is Jesus really doing? Well, we know Peter is a sinner. He tells us that. That's why he puts his clothes on before he goes into the water and swims ashore. He basically is trying to hide his sin. Well, now Jesus knows that. Now he's leading Peter into a process of repentance and reconciliation. Peter denied Jesus three times. And now he's going to affirm his love for Jesus three times. In this process of reconciliation, Jesus takes denial and he turns it into love. Denial into love. Denial into love. And see, this is exactly what Jesus does for us. When Jesus comes into our life, he sees our sin because he has illuminated our lives. But what does he do? He engages the same process with Peter that he does for us. Process of reconciliation. What does he do? He takes our sin and he turns it into love. Sin into love. Now, the last part of the story. A true test that we are really forgiven by God is that we are now sent on mission. Jesus says to Peter, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourselves and go wherever you wanted to. But when you grow older, you will stretch out your hands and someone will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. This is what Jesus does for us when we let him into our lives. 
If Jesus truly is at the center of our life, we are no longer in charge. We now have surrendered to a power that is beyond our ego. And that's good. That's very good. And in doing so, we will be tied up by the power of Christ. The powers that tied up the apostles. And they were sent and they have done things that they never thought imaginable. They preached. They did things that they never thought they could do. And yet, they surrendered the power of Christ. In doing so, they evangelized a world. Well, so too with us. We must surrender to a power beyond our own ego. Be tied up by the power of Christ. And then taken where maybe we don't want to go. Where is that place where we don't want to go? Well, beyond our own comfort zone. Well, what is our comfort zone? Our family, our friends, our routine. You know, if we go beyond that comfort zone, now we feel uncomfortable. We don't want to go there. But that's exactly where Jesus wants us to go. Because it's there that our faith will be enriched, elevated. Give you some examples of people leaving their comfort zone. How about catechists in your parish? You know, volunteers that teach our children religion and our religious ed programs. These are volunteers that go beyond their comfort zone to now stand before our children and teach them the faith. And it is a challenge. But nonetheless, if you ask any catechist, they will tell you they get far more out of it than they put into it. Their lives are elevated, enriched. How about those people that go to shut-ins, maybe nursing homes, and they distribute communion or they visit them? These people basically go beyond their comfort zone. Many times they see these people that they've never known before. They're complete strangers. And yet they talk to them, they comfort them, and then they give them communion. These people that engage in this ministry go beyond their comfort zone. And yet, if you ask them, they'll tell you their lives are enriched, elevated by it. Well, so too with us. We must surrender to a power that is beyond our ego, the power of Christ. Be tied up by the power of Christ and then be led to maybe places we never thought we could go. And yet, when we go to those places, wherever they are, teaching religion, visiting the poor and the sick, you know, the spiritual and the corporal works of mercy, wherever it is, our faith life is enriched, elevated, illuminated. And this is what God wants from us. Strongly encourage you, take some time this week, reread this gospel passage, and then be drawn by Christ into a new life with God. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.